This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake, joined as always by Gabby Rutia. We are here to talk about Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting, Gabby. Uh, the fun never stops here on Through the Smoke. And there is there's stuff to talk about, so we're going to do that here. Uh, we'll start the podcast by... Um, expanding on some of our thoughts of the North Carolina loss after rewatching the game. We will then go into some recruiting talk and we will wrap it up with kind of the newsy nuggets to come out of the press availabilities uh, on Monday. And we'll wrap it up with a little bit of NC State talk. So Gabby, let's jump into it. I'll let you uh, go wherever you want to go with the conversation here as it pertains to the North Carolina rewatch. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'll just start at the beginning of the game, just like after watching it over again. Like, I mean, that first play of the game, man, like on that flea flicker, I, I thought yeah. that was a great opportunity to, to really, you yep. know, sort of get the offense flowing. I mean, really just missing an, a, a really good opportunity there for, an explosive play right off the bat, um, you know, that potentially uh, changes the momentum of the game, you know, early on, or at least sets the moment, the momentum of the game really early on and, uh, you know, missed opportunity. And I feel like Manny Diaz touched on it a little bit during his press conference a little bit. It did feel like he was sort of like aiming it or just like yep. sort of like, you know, just maybe trying too hard Nervous. instead of just letting it rip. Yeah. Just like nerves definitely taking over right there. But again, that's sort of like the struggles that you sort of take with a, a first time starting quarterback and, you know, just watching the game over again. And like, obviously the defensive struggles through the first half were, were extremely disappointing, but like, I feel like it was something very similar to the Virginia game. Like we're close to close to halftime and there's like a 250 yard to 23 yard discrepancy. <laughs> right. And it's just like, you, you can't win games like that. And sure. You know, the second half w- went probably the way you'd like it to go, but I mean, you put yourself in some positions like that and, and it's tough. And just one more note from the first half that I had that I thought could have, you know, what I thought was a potential, well, really for North Carolina, I thought really benefited them. It was a second and two. Jared Harrison Hunt just completely blows through the line of scrimmage, is literally in Sam Howell's face. Right. Some, somehow he gets around that. Um, you know, they get a first down. They end up scoring on that drive to go up 21-10. Miami gets the ball back. Tyler Van Dyke throws a pick. They go up end up going up 28 to 10. So just a series that seemed to sort of escalate and stuff. So yeah, just disappointing just watching that first half. Yeah. Jared Harrison hunt. um, He missed two sacks from what I could tell. It it was that play you're referencing. And I think later in the game, he missed a sack too. You know, he 
he plays well, you know, defending the run and all that. And it is impressive that he's athletic enough to get himself right. in position to sack Sam Howe. Uh, not many defensive tackles can move like Jared Harrison Hunt, uh, but he's got to finish on those plays. You know, we're seeing it play out, right? Uh, Miami's margin for error is slim. And so you got to make those plays when the opportunities uh, right. come. Going back to Tyler, right? Uh, so building on your point, you know, Manny Diaz said it looked like he was just trying to aim the ball too much, which I think is a fair assessment. And, and Rhett Lashley came out and said, you know, he thinks it's like nerves, right? It's a combination of nerves. And, you know, I felt like too, during the rewatch that North Carolina was throwing some coverages at him that he hadn't really prepared for in terms of watching film on North Carolina seemed that way with the slow processing, right? Cause Tyler had plenty of time early in the game to deliver his throws. Um, he was just holding onto the ball too long because he was confused by the coverages he was seeing. Brett Lashley said he, he felt like that was happening as well. Um, so it's going to be an interesting maturation process early in these games moving forward, right? For Tyler, because we see that he, he does have the ability to do it once he settles in. Um, but it's just taking too long for him to find that rhythm. And if, you know, we'll, we'll get into NC state later, but NC state, uh, what they do is they throw exotic coverages at quarterbacks routinely. So, uh, it's going to be a big challenge for Tyler this week. You know, I think the two, two of the three picks, his first two picks, to me, were inexcusable. 100%. Uh, the Rambo pick, he just threw it way too late. He was looking at it, looking at it, looking at it. Then it's in traffic. He tries to jam it in there. Pops up for an easy pick. Second one, I don't even know. I don't know what he saw. I mean, clearly he did not see the defender. Yeah. You know, just a young guy pick, I guess. And on the, the second one, he had Cam Harris sort of like, it would have been a similar throw but there was just like not a defender around Cam Harris sort of on the check down. And he sort of pushed it to the second level and just threw uh -huh. it right into this guy's hands. Yeah. It was, it was a bad read, bad, you know, yeah. just didn't see a defender that was just sitting there. You know, it was, it was an easy pick. Um, but again, and I know we said this in the instant reaction. I do like how he gives Miami's receivers a chance on the outside to make plays, right? He's not afraid to throw one-on-one yeah. -on -one balls outside the numbers and at times during the game uh their best offense was penalties you know yeah, moving 100%. the ball via pass interference penalties or or whatnot um and, and that's not i'm not you know that's that's fine as long as you're moving the ball right um right so i do like that about him and then also too you know look rewatching the fourth quarter mm -hmm. he was doing some special things yeah, in that absolutely. quarter uh, making some plays, buying time with his leg, throwing on the run, et cetera. Um, I thought he was know, really good on like third down and even fourth down at yes. times, you know, throughout that fourth quarter. Right. So the talent is there. He's definitely an ACC caliber starter uh, when he's in a rhythm and comfortable, settled into the game. He just has to figure out how to get over these early game jitters and nerves and all that. So uh, we will see if he can do that. Let me ask you this, right? And look, I'm not taking away anything the offense did in the fourth quarter slash second half, 
do you think there's something to North Carolina maybe taking their foot off the gas, playing a little soft coverage-wise uh, to make sure Miami didn't hit explosive plays? Um, it seemed like that a little bit to me. But again, Miami took advantage of those opportunities. So, But I do think it's a fair discussion to have. Yeah, maybe. Um, I mean, I, I guess I didn't really just like view it that way. I mean, like maybe I was just, just me being a glass half full type of guy. I was just hoping just like watching sure. it, like they figured something out and, uh, you know, watching even Tyler move around a little bit, you know, that, that was, I just saw some encouraging things there, but yeah. Um, I think that's a very good perspective to short of, to sort of put out there because I absolutely think that that's something that could have had some, that, that could have had something to do with the success that they found. But um, again, yeah, you know, I, I did see some things and, Look, I mean, a lot of the time, I mean, really just giving your playmakers a chance to make a play, uh, you know, it, it did lead to the, some of those, you know, yes. pass interference and stuff. So they got I feel it like he did put, yeah, he got it done and he put his players in a position. Well, he put his often his players, his teammates in a position to make a play while putting the defenders in a position where they had to make a play or, you know, commit a penalty. And it just so happened to sort of work out that way. So, you know, I, I think um, I think both could probably be true. Um, you know, like I think both those things could be true at the same time. And uh, yeah, man, I think that there's probably something to that. Where do we stand with him in terms of, is he good enough to be the starter for a good Miami Hurricanes football team? Because, and let's not do any hope trafficking, right? We just have to go by what we have seen, what he's put on tape, what, what he's shown on the field. Yeah. Is it good enough? I mean, I'd probably go no, just because, until you put it together for four quarters. Like, I mean, I, I'm not okay with just having a quarterback that's good for two quarters of a game. And if we're right. talking about having a good Miami hurricanes team, that's it. what he's done. What he does over the course of a game is, is it's not good enough. What he does at times and what he's shown um, could potentially be good enough. But um, you know, as things stand right now, again, it, it wouldn't be good enough for me personally. I think that's fair. Uh, you know, in, in his, play this season it's 52 percent completion percentage uh, 184 passing yards per game five touchdowns three picks does that include um, the the central connecticut stats yes yes okay so because he went 10 for, i just just for the matter of perspective he went 10 for 11 right in that central connecticut game so it's 52 percent total completion percentage in, like factoring in that 10 yep. of 11 performance. So I think that says something. So he's under 50% against power five teams. Right. Yeah. Um, but again, he, he is, he is better than the stats indicate, I think, but still the stats are the stats. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I think on the message board, there's a lot of discussion about if he is better than Jared Williams. Um, I think he works harder at it than Jaron Williams, like in terms of his, his game prep, his study, um, his leadership, I think is better than Jaron Williams. I think he's more mobile than Jaron Williams. Um, but you know, the, the passing needs to improve. I mean, Jaron also struggled in first quarters as a passer. Um, so I do think Tyler's better than Jaron. But and it's a small sample size right now. He definitely has time to improve. Um, so hopefully he does take these next steps because certainly, if Miami's going to win games moving forward, they need him to take the steps. Let's move on to Jalen Knight. I think it's fair to talk about him. You know, mm-hmm. that cut he made on the wheel yeah. route 
that's elite stuff that it was yeah. a full speed cut where he yeah. never lost his speed. Yeah. Um, never broke stride. <laughs> yes. And so my takeaway, obviously Jalen had a, had a very strong game. My takeaway, I mean, this offense, they need to get him 25 touches, however oh, that yeah. is. So I think it was what 19, maybe off the top of my head. Yeah, not, It was 19 touches. They got to find a way to get him the ball more. I mean, it's just, especially just with Cam Harris out now, like, I mean, he's got to be the guy, right? And again, I mean, I think he's, I just think he's an elite talent and, you know, maybe not like NFL, like top end NFL elite talent, but I mean, I just think in terms of just what he can, like, I, I think he, he has game, game. Cha- yeah, exactly. He has game changing potential. And, uh, you know, I think he can win Miami football games, you know, alone, uh, we yes. saw, I mean, what he's been able to do in the receiving game has been super impressive. I mean, he had the explosive one in this one. I mean, really, probably the last time we saw something like that was against Louisville last year, where he did something similar. Um, but you know, when he does, when he hits that top speed, I, I don't, I'm not sure there's many right. out there that are gonna, that are going to catch him. And even what he did with the running game, and again, also understanding that North Carolina probably isn't the strongest defense and hasn't been s- very great against the run, but that was, that was, I think that was by far Miami's best performance. Um, you know, just running the ball in general and offensive uh, you know, line. Yeah, offensive the offensive line running the ball. I think it carried over from that second half, the second half of that Virginia game, David, where you said that you were encouraged that, you know, maybe that was what they needed to sort of like, you know, sort of be back to maybe who they've been and just sort of take that next step this year. I think we're seeing that this is that maybe they've turned the corner and with Jalen Knight. And I think he gives Miami, I think he gives Miami the best shot, you know, running the ball. And again, just what he's able to do, uh, being able to, uh, from the receiving end where he's just so versatile and so explosive, I'm really encouraged about him and, you know, what the sort of different dynamic that he sort of brings to this offense. Yeah. The offensive line by no means is it close to being good, Yeah, but they are at least holding their blocks in in terms of run blocking. Um, And they are at times generating some push, which was not the case, you know, leading up to the Virginia game. Um, So it is encouraging. I think honestly, like, Jared Williams is playing very well. I think uh, Zion Nelson had a strong game. Navon Donaldson had that bad bust right yeah. on the sack, but right. he, he was at times getting impressive push in the run game at times. It's still inconsistent, but he's at least flashing, which he wasn't necessarily doing earlier in the year. Anything to anything else to touch on on offense before we move over to defense? No, I think it's good for me on offense. Defense, you know, obviously the missed tackles. I mean, we've that was obvious uh, in the in the instant reaction podcast. We kind of touched on that. One thing, one takeaway I had was, you know, look after the Virginia game, you know, I praised Corey Flag for playing a pretty good game by Corey Flag standards. I feel like he had a big kind of step back yeah. against North Carolina. Bad angles at times, missed tackles. I think he was um, responsible for the spy a lot too, right? Like for like seen that way. Up. Yeah. And, he, and he just wasn't good. I, I, he, I, I mean, he just wasn't good enough uh, spying Sam Howell. Right. So he needs to pick it up. It's kind of, it's disappointing to see him have that setback. Um, and, and speaking to your point on uh, quarterback run game, that is a concern I have moving forward the right. rest of the year, right? Cause Miami has, Jordan Travis, Florida State quarterback, Jeff Sims, Georgia Tech quarterback, and Braxton Burmeister, Virginia Tech quarterback, who are three of the most athletic quarterbacks 
uh, in the ACC, these are guys that, you know, make plays with their legs. They are generally speaking, going to be the best athletes on the field when they're on the field. And North Carolina kept running the QB draw over and over and over, essentially using Miami's aggressiveness, Miami's team speed against mm-hmm. themselves, right? Because there was easy run lanes for Sam Howe yep. um, more times than not when they ran those plays. So I am concerned moving forward with Miami's ability to handle these athletic quarterbacks. Anything on defense you want to get into? Um, I mean, I mean, I mean that. I think I think that's a I think that's a big one just because like I just don't think that they're. I mean, even against guys that aren't like incredibly athletic, like Brendan Armstrong, like he sort of like found his right. way with that too. So um, again, I mean, for me, it's just. I mean, I, I was really encouraged to see Jafari Harvey make that that play. I think that's a huge big. Like, I mean, that's a big time play. Again, I think they just need to be better about you know really finishing the plays at the quarterback. Um, you know, I thought overall they did, again, just watching it back, just watching, like really watching them, like how they bracketed, uh, Josh Downs in that second half. Yeah, I thought that was did. super, I thought that was really good to see them sort of make that adjustment and really just shut down their, their best playmaker. Uh, again, really like do it earlier, that. but yes. yeah, it should have been done off the bat. Um, you know, again, I mean, really liked, like, I thought that, you know, some of the young guys played a lot. I mean, I didn't notice that Marcus Clark played so much until I yes. watched it back and sort of, I, you know, I didn't think he, I thought he did snaps. A, I thought he did a serviceable job back there, but, um, you know, uh, the first half, obviously atrocious. I thought it was a much different look in the second half. So, you know, hopefully that's what we see moving forward with, uh, you know, a lot of these younger guys sort of getting integrated. Yeah. Let's, let's get into that. Um, well, first off, let's talk about the offensive guys, right? So the younger guys on offense, it kind of surprised me. Romello Brinson, only seven snaps Brashard Smith, only two snaps. Elijah Arroyo, 10 snaps, whereas on the flip side, Larry Hodges got 16 yeah. snaps. Um, what do we make of this? Yeah, the Larry Hodges thing was really weird to me. Um, you know, I know that there's people in the building that think he has, like, really good ball skills that, you know, sure. like, he can, like he can be a weapon in the offensive game. I'm just not sure I'm buying that. I mean, I, I think 100 times out of 100, I'd rather have Elijah Arroyo in there. I mean, Larry Hodges is, like, 215 pounds. Like, I'm not sure if he's going to be able to block anyone. Um, you know, I definitely want to see more of Elijah Arroyo, less of Hodges. Um, maybe they were just trying to get something going in the passing game. And he thought that he was, that, that Hodges was more of a, of, of an option there. Um, I mean, I'm not really sure. Did, did Rhett Lashley say anything about that? Like I wasn't there no. for that. No, yeah, he I wasn't was... asked about that. Um, okay. what do you make of Brinson? Cause that was surprising to me. I mean, Keyshawn played a lot and yeah. it seems like Tyler and Keyshawn Smith have a good connection. I mean, there was a lot of targets there. Um, but it did, it still surprised me that Brinson only played seven snaps. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was definitely weird. Uh, maybe it was just a part of just like how things went. I mean, I'm not really sure what to even like make it. I mean, I want to see those guys play more. I thought, yeah. I think Brinson sort of earned that. I mean, I know he, he did have like that, that bad drop against Virginia. Um, not sure if that's any reason why maybe he saw, you know, a reduction in snaps. Uh, but again, I feel like it was very similar to like the, maybe like last year where it was like a set of like three or four wide receivers that basically played the whole game. And then everyone else was just sort of like on the sidelines, just sort of just like hanging out. Um, it, it felt more that way. Cause then you didn't see like the rotation that we've seen more of like, you know, right. just maybe this in prior games. Brinson did have that bad drop against Virginia. Um, but still, I think, 
I do think it's, you know, you got to start playing these guys a little yeah. bit more too. Um, Gervin Hall seemed like he got, he kind of got benched in the second yeah. half. He only played 19 snaps. Um, my question to you, Gabby, why isn't Bubba Bolden benched too? Because Avante Williams can't dress yet. <laughs> I would argue though that Cam Kitchens is ready to go. I mean, I think, I don't he, I think he's a hundred percent ready to go. He did a really, he was a big part of like sort of stopping Josh Downs too. And I thought he did a really good job with that. And I think he's a reliable tackler. Like I think he's willing yes. to tackle. And, and that's, I mean, that's like, if you're willing to tackle right now and you play defense for Miami, I think that you have earned yourself a spot. I think Cam Kitchens, James Williams, those types of guys have absolutely proven that they're willing to do that. So that's, that was pretty encouraging. And Leonard Taylor, 20 yeah, snaps, 20 snaps yeah. needs to play more, right? Right. I'm, I'm happy that he out-snapped some of the other guys. Like He at I'm least played he, 20. He played 20, and Jordan Miller got 11. And I think that that's – that, to me, that's encouraging to see him get like – like right. that it's, it's getting, we're at a point now where Leonard Taylor is ahead of at least Jordan Miller in this rotation. Right. So interesting stuff. We'll, we'll get into more like uh, depth chart stuff and press conference nuggets here after the break. But before we get into the break, let's talk recruiting Gabby. Yeah. Um, we are less than two months from, or about two months from early signing. Period, oh, no, right? well, we have less than two months. It's December 15th. Okay. Less than two months which is crazy. Uh, Miami is eight commitments, right? Yep. Um, still zero from South Florida, right? Right. I don't know where they rank right now. Is it still like gross number 59? 59. 59. 59. Okay. Yeah. So that hasn't changed since last week. Um, Traquan Fegans, yeah. who decommitted from Miami last week, um, you know, we hinted that Alabama, probably the team to watch. He committed to Alabama today. So that's disappointing because clearly a big time talent that could have helped Miami next yeah. year. But that's what's happened. That's what happens when you start the year two and four. Yeah. Um, I guess big picture wise, what, what do you make of where things are at with Miami's recruiting efforts two months till early signing period? Is it more likely Miami loses commitments or gains commitments next? Yeah, I mean, I, just like touching on the Traquan Fegan situation first, like, I mean, I, I think that's obviously super disappointing, but like, there's a part of me that feels like this was probably going to happen regardless. Anyways, sure. Yeah, like a part of me is just like, but it if always they go out, out, let's say they are five and one. I think, you know, obviously there's a much better shot. of. Keeping, there's a better shot. There's a better right? shot. But if I'm honestly, I think that he still would have flipped to Alabama. That's just sure. my personal opinion. And that's just because, you know, it felt like he was waiting on the green light from them. I feel like he got it. Right. And then everything happened fast. Cause I know very, I, I know pretty well that he was saying all the right things to people, um, sure. you know, and uh, you know, talking about how excited he was to come in here and play early and, you know, all those things. I do think that there was a genuine love for Miami and probably is a genuine love for Miami. But I do think the ultimate goal for him was to get the Alabama, um, you know, j just get like the OK from Alabama. I think he got that. And, you know, I think he made that decision. I, I honestly think it would have been one that he would have made regardless of the circumstances. But, yeah, this it doesn't help anyways. Right. Guy from Alabama. Makes sense yeah. if, if he's got the opportunity to go there. Still disappointing, though. I mean, these are the type of battles 
Miami has to start winning on the recruiting yeah. trail if you want to right. win on the field, right? Um, so I guess back to my original question, yeah. you know, it seems like there's absolutely no momentum right now yeah. uh, in terms of positive momentum. Uh, Miami more likely to lose or gain a commitment next? Yeah, um, I mean, I, might, I actually, might, I might go gain. Uh, you know, Brian Don, who covers twenty four seven sports for like does like the Northeast stuff. Uh, he actually just threw a story on our board while we were podcasting that uh, Jeffrey Emba, the JUCO defensive tackle uh, from Kansas, from Independence Community College, originally from France, he's scheduled to officially visit Miami uh, this coming weekend. You know, I think Miami's put themselves in a really good spot to potentially land him. Um, you know, I, I again, not saying that it's going to happen. He'll probably take more visits and. You know, I think if Miami doesn't win, ultimately, uh, you know, they might put themselves in a tough spot there because it seems like more and more Power Five programs are Who coming out. Who else is in the mix? Game. I'm not so familiar. So I, I know West Virginia uh, offered him. He's talked about um, Nebraska. He's talked about USC. Um, okay. A few other schools have have started to to offer more. Like I think Miami was the first Power Five school to offer, but um, you know, in the in the in the recent weeks since Miami offered, he's definitely got um, more interest. So there is he is going to have other suitors. Um, that are interested. I think TCU is another school that's, that's in there too. So, um, you know, I think he's someone that maybe Miami could potentially add uh, Landon Morris. He's a transfer from Syracuse, the, a tight end, uh, six foot six, around 225 pounds. I think he was a wide receiver coming out of that 2020 class or 2021 class. And, um, you know, just didn't work out at Syracuse. Not exactly what he thought he's going to visit. I believe it's going to be an unofficial visit over the weekend. And, um, you know, I think he's someone that, I mean, he told me that, you know, if things go really well, like, you know, maybe he can make an early decision. So, you know, okay. way, in terms of high school guys, I think that's a toss up. It could probably go either way, but, um, you know, I think that, uh, Miami could potentially add a guy before they lose a guy, but I also could be convinced the other way too, especially if like, you know, things on Saturday don't go, um, uh, you know, or, or go maybe the way some people think it might just because NC state's a really good football team and Miami has clearly been Miami with Morris, the, the tight end from Syracuse. Tell us more about him. Is he Miami caliber? Cause it, you know, on the surface, it seems like why is Miami messing around with a tight end transfer from Syracuse? Yeah. I mean, I think that's, um, I think, I mean, I think you just have to sort of like weigh the, I really just look around at the options that there is at the position. I mean, they kind of struck out at tight end uh, between uh, Jalil Skinner, between Caden Helms, between Anthony Jones. Uh, you know, it, there's just not a guy that they feel like that could really help. Um, I do. I was watching his like high school tape earlier today, and, you know, he is a long guy. Um, you know, he played wide receiver in high school. You know, he does have a natural ability to catch the ball. Again, he's playing sort of Indianapolis competition. And I honestly can't attest for what that really even looks like, but it doesn't seem to me that it's too elite. So, um, right. you know, I, I think I'm, I'm encouraged about the fact that I think he's at least been a part of a college, you know, strength program before. And he's sort of been there. Uh, he's added like 10, 15 pounds compared to like, you know, when he came out of high school. So, you know, I do think that there's something there. I mean, I think it's going to be good to get eyes on him in person on Saturday. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what he looks like. But, um, you know, I think he could be a lanky sort of pass catcher that Miami could throw some weight on and that could still move around pretty well and potentially be good enough to maybe be a complimentary guy to, to Elijah Royo. And, you know, I do think he'd bring something different in terms of just the size. 
just because, you know, Khalil Brantley is like a six, one and a half type of guy. Larry Hodges is probably about the same. You got a lot of Jeroya who's like a six, three, six, four type. And then to sort of just add that sort of size, a guy that has four years to play too. um, I could see why that that could be intriguing for them. Yeah. That'll be interesting to see who else shows up maybe for Saturday's game, you know, in South Florida, you always get those last minute guys who decide to swing by. So Stay locked on the website throughout the week. I, I'm sure there'll be more updates in that regard. Um, LSU moved on from Ed Orgeron officially. Um, so anytime coaching changes are announced or, or or made, there is a recruiting impact as well, right? Um, there's, there's guys on LSU's commit list that Miami tried to get themselves. There's also key targets, LSU... Um, is battling for, you know, along with Miami. So what are the names to know in terms of like LSU coaching search impact yeah. might have on Miami's recruiting efforts? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think, I think probably the guy is uh, Demario Tolan, the, the four-star linebacker out of Orlando, Dr. Phillips. Um, you know, he's a guy that really Miami hasn't stopped recruiting since he committed to the Tigers over the hurricanes over the summer uh, you know, Jonathan Pack, he's been in Orlando to go watch him. Uh, you know, he's said encouraging things about the Hurricanes. You know, he told Andrew Ivins that, you know, the, that Miami's still been on his mind a lot and that that's a program that he's still considering. Um, you know, I think Auburn and Florida State were a couple of the others that he sort of tossed around uh, as well. But, you know, I think that's a, you know, linebacker, obviously a, a primary position of need. For Miami, uh, you know, Wesley, the Saints, still the top guy, but I think Demario Tolan would probably be the number two guy right behind him. And, you know, with us, with the coaching change, I mean, I feel like it impacts everybody differently. And, uh, you know, I think this could be an opportunity for Miami to sort of find themselves, you know, back into this, like, you know, depending on how close his, his relationship with Ed Orgeron and those assistants were. So I think Tolan's definitely a name to know. Um, a few other guys, like I think Nigel e. Kelly, uh, you know, again, I'm not sure how ma- major of an impact it is, but that is a school he officially visited. Um, you know, that's a school he's seriously, seriously considering, uh, you know, based on their next hire. Uh, could that help or hurt Miami? I don't know, but it seems just like for the time being, I think it just sort of puts LSU in limbo. If they go out and hire a home, they, they get a home run hire, you know, Nigel e. Kelly would be able to get that official visit back. So if you wanted to go... Right. Um, visit LSU again. That's something that he could possibly do. So something to consider, Um, you know, Julian Armella is another guy who's probably trending towards LSU right now. Um, You know, how does Ed Ogeron's firing impact him? And again, a guy that Miami's gone on campus, that's been, that they've been recruiting him for a long time. Um, You know, who knows how that impacts, you know, Florida state probably benefits more, Um, you know, Alabama's in the mix, Florida's in the mix. I think Garen just still clawing his way through that one. So, you know, just a situation to monitor, uh, and then, you know, Chris Graves, even like the, the cornerback, I mean, like he officially visited LSU too. So that's a program that he's maybe thinking about also. And he's been open about the fact that he wants to use his two official visits. Again, he would get that official visit. He would be able to take a second official visit to LSU if that's something he wanted to do down the line, if they announce a different coach. So those are probably a few guys that I would just monitor and, uh, you know, be aware of. And there's a new name, defensive line target. Miami is evaluating right now. Local guy, South Florida guy. Tell us what we need to know there. Yeah, uh, that's a that's a mod Moten. Uh, he's a defensive tackle at uh, Fort Lauderdale Cardinal Gibbons. Uh, his he's the younger brother of former Miami defensive lineman Anthony Moten, which is a name that should probably sound familiar to a lot of you longtime listeners and longtime followers of the program. 
Um, you know, he's a guy that's sort of really not, not, maybe not blowing up as a senior, but you know, he's really generating a lot of power five attention these days. Uh, Maryland, um, I think West Virginia is in there. Iowa State have all offered, you know, in the month of October. Um, you know, from what I understand, people in Coral Gables like him as well. I, I think at some point there's going to be a conversation between him and Jess Simpson and, uh, you know, an offer. I, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point, you know, this week or next week that, uh, you know, Moten held a Miami offer. So, you know, I think that that's a name to know, especially as this, they continue to go through this really just like this Rolodex of defensive linemen that they're trying to figure out. I mean, obviously a big, strong year in South Florida. I mean, no commits right now. So, um, you know, they're definitely trying to figure that out. I think Moten could be a, a, a potential option, uh, you know, depending on how things go. Um, just other, the sort of the negative side of that situation is that Miami sort of burned their, uh, their evaluation time of Cardinal Gibbons because uh, wide receivers coach Rob Likens went to go watch Hakeem Williams in a game that he was playing against Cardinal Gibbons. So, um, you know, you only get one of those visits per school per cycle, um, you know, and, or per cycle in terms of just like, I guess in the fall, just for like a right. game like that. And like in this period. Um, and so there's no way that Miami would be able to go out and get an in-person evaluation. So that puts them in a tough spot in terms of just really right. fe- understanding how they feel about him after watching him in person. So it would just have to be off tape and um, that type of stuff. So yeah, that's just another name to know. Have you seen much of him? Cause I haven't, I don't remember seeing much of yeah. him. I haven't seen him. Um, I was talking to someone. Oh, I was talking to, you know, Shane Marinelli, who covers FAU for Owls 24-7. And he watched him at an FAU camp this summer. And apparently he was just like huffing and puffing, like, you know, just kind of like, you know, really struggling to get through the drills. And uh, from what everyone's been able to gather, he's really put himself in, in a lot better shape, uh, you know, or just, I guess, from that point on over the summer. And seems to be playing at, you know, playing at a lighter weight and just playing with, a, you know, just a sort of different type of energy and a different sort of feel. And that has some people excited about, you know, what he could potentially look like, uh, you know, if he really were to sort of put it all together. And again, he's a six foot three, uh, 290 pounder. So, you know, definitely has the frame. Again, probably a guy you might be, you might have to whip into shape a little bit, but it seems like if he's able to sort of come all together and help himself, uh, that he could be a pretty good player at the college level. All right, good stuff, Gabby. Recruiting never stops. Uh, listeners of Through the Smoke know this. So we'll see how they can uh, navigate their way through a two and four start to the season. Um, stay locked on InsideTheU.com for more recruiting coverage from Gabby. Uh, let's take a quick gate break here, Gabby, and we will get into some of the newsy nuggets to come out of Monday. Uh, press abilities with the the um coaching staff all right we are back a lot of stuff to just get into gabby kind of throw it throw it out there first i guess um cam harris running back out for the year um leg injury i think it's knee yeah manny diaz did say it was a knee right um right so he's done for the year that's disappointing um, obviously going to mean more snaps, more carries probably for Jalen Knighton. Sounds like Cody Brown is second. And they also mentioned Thad Franklin, who is another true freshman. Um, let's just settle in here, I guess, moving forward. Right. Obviously, like, I think you and I would both agree, like Jalen Knighton brings more to the table as a runner, as a pass catcher than cam. Right. But one thing I think that is worth highlighting that 
often gets overlooked is pass protection. Right. Um, Jalen so far this year has not been good at all in pass protection. That is a concern. I think when you are playing a younger quarterback who is growing into the position, um, so that's an area that Jalen's going to have to step up and improve here moving forward. I do think Cody Brown is intriguing. You know, it's a smaller sample size, uh, but he at least has shown some ability to help in pass protection as a bigger back. Um, he scored a touchdown against North Carolina. You know, this running back group has been hit pretty hard by injuries when you consider Cam Harris, Don Chaney now out for the year. Um, but moving forward, what do you make of this group? Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's tough. Like I, I really think just the group, I, I feel like they're just going to go as far as, as really Jalen Knight and takes them. And uh, you're sort of just like crossing your fingers, hoping and praying that that nothing else happens to either one of these guys, because um, I think Manny Diaz's quote is, was that like, you know, you're, you're, they're thin at a, at a few positions, like at, to a point that like, to the point that they're just barely able to basically function as a normal team. So I think you're getting really close to, to just being like dangerously thin. I mean, I think they already yes. are, but uh, you know, obviously a really physical position and you know, those guys I feel like are asked to do a lot in this offense in terms of just like, you know, pass protecting and, you know, I mean, obviously Jalen Nine's going to have to take a lot of shots right now. Cody Brown might be able to help a little bit, but um, you know, I think it's just going to be interesting to see how healthy those guys can stay over the course of these next six games. Cause really you're halfway done and now you got to go through another six right. game stretch with, with really just three of these guys. Cause it doesn't seem like you're going to get either cam or Don Chaney back at any point this season. So um, really it's just sort of crossing your fingers and, you know, hoping that these guys stay healthy and that Jalen Knighton can sort of just really, I think there's an opportunity for him to grow into this role to the point where he's, he's Miami's, he's Miami's guy. Next you know, year. I think he's talented and yeah. he's talented enough to just be the guy to finish the year as the guy go into next year as, as sort of the guy as well. Agreed. Um, so fingers crossed Jalen Knighton avoids any injuries. Uh, also news to share, I guess it's news. It's kind of like a trending news story, but D Wiggins and Mark Pope trending to the transfer portal. They haven't officially entered the transfer portal. You know, this has been happening for a while now. Uh, I guess any, anything to, to touch on there, I mean, wish them the yeah. best of luck wherever they yeah. land. Didn't work out at Miami, um, but hopefully they, they land in a spot that they can show what they can do. Maybe yeah. FAU with Kosi, right? Right. Should I, should I drop my, is, do you think it's a, an appropriate time to drop the <laughs> Mark Pope story? Yeah. Yeah. Share what you know about Mark Pope. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I mean, if this was a few weeks ago, I think this was like the week after the day the before the Virginia game. So this is the day before the Virginia game. Um, was it the day before? Because I think, yeah, yeah, you're right. Because it's Wednesday nights. So this is the this is the the, day, the night before the Virginia game. Um, you know, obviously I'm born and raised here. Like, I mean, my I, I especially just like in this like South Florida area, like this like you know the South Side of Miami Dade County, like. And so I have like one of my one of my friends, like one of my close friends, is playing flag football at Tropical Park. Like he just plays in the league. And I get a text from him saying, like, I just played against Mark Pope at Tropical Park in my flag football league. And this was like the day before Miami was going to play Virginia. And so it's I text David like, hey, man, like, I don't know what's going on here, but something's happening because Mark Pope is literally playing flag football in like a league for money for like a championship. 
um, you know, at Tropical Park. And so, you know, my but I mean, if it helps anyone, I mean, my buddy said he ran some mean routes. He's just a really crispy route yeah. runner, just carving carving up a bunch of average Joes. Um, so, you know, but that I mean, it felt like the writing was I, from that point on. It was just sort of like Mark Pope watch. Like, was he like he didn't even dress for the Virginia game, did he? He like, wasn't there. I don't. He think. wasn't even yeah. there at the at the Virginia game. And from that point, it felt like the writing was on the wall about what that situation was sort of going to be like. Right. So best of luck to Mark and D um, in their next spot. Uh, Avante Williams. He is off his suspension, six game suspension. Uh, so what are we expecting in terms of playing time with Avante? Cause Manny Diaz kind of seemed like he was just going to get eased into playing. Right. He said, Oh, probably see him on special teams. He's only been practicing now for four weeks and he's never played in a college game yet. So how many over under 10 defensive snaps for Avante Williams? Really? Pounding the over. I'm just taking it. I don't know. I'm just going to take it. Okay. You're going to go under? Yes. Yeah. Who, who snaps does he take? 21s. Okay. You think he jumps kitchens? No, I don't know. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I just want to see less 21. I want to see, I just, I, I don't know, man. I think they're just going to give him a shot to play. Like, I, I think, I really, hope so. I, I, hope I think the right. flow of the game is going to d- dictate a lot too. Um, maybe not. I, I could see like 10 ish, maybe eight. I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure who snaps he's going to take, but I mean, I could see it. I could see him getting 12 snaps. I feel like he's a guy that they're really excited about, right? Like, oh, I, he's I, very we, talented. We, were talk, we were talking about him probably being a starter. Um, you know, I think that, uh, I think that they can be more creative with even the way that they line up some of the other guys, um, you know, with Avante Williams there. So maybe it's not even like take, cause like we've seen situations where, you know, these guys are on the field and Gervin Hall's even like dropped down in the slot. Like I could, I could see a situation where, you know, guys are just moved around uniquely where you can still have all three so. of those guys on the field at the same time. Like, I don't know. I just think it's a, a little glimpse into what the future is really going to look like on defense. And I could see 10, I could see at least 10 snaps. Uh, I wouldn't be super surprised, but again, I wouldn't be surprised if it was less either. I'm just hoping to see more than 10. I agree. I hope so too. And I agree with your take on, on getting the three of James Williams, Camp Kitchens and Avante on the field at the same time. Cause I do think one guy who needs their snaps reduced is Amari Carter, right? Yeah. Just not, not getting it done at striker, you know, from a tackling perspective right now too. I don't know which one of those three you can put in that striker role. It's probably yeah. an unrealistic hope of mine. Um, but at this point, you know, like you got to find answers and solutions yeah. and I think you got to be extreme. So did hopefully- you, are, are you buying, because Manny Diaz did mention Chase Smith by name today. Are you buying that we see Chase Smith in this game? Like, would you, would you take that in a defensive, like on a defensive snap, not on special teams? Right. Yeah, I think so. I mean, Amari was really bad against North Carolina. I think Gilbert Frierson has tackling issues as well. Mm-hmm. And Manny's fighting for his job. And so I think he sees a path, maybe, like the only path he has with keeping his job is if these young guys get in there and ball out. Because at yeah. this point, we already know what the older guys are going to do. Yeah, exactly. Um, so They're, you're not going to be worse than those guys. <laughs> right. So 
Yeah. I mean, I think, and I'm here for that. You know, I think Chase Smith is a good player. So uh, let's see what he can do. Um, Depth charts. Miami released a depth chart. Some, some notable changes to it. Um, You know, in light of D Wiggins, not being uh, on the roster anymore, I guess. Jacoby George is his backup. So we'll see if he gets on the field more. Didn't necessarily get on the field on offense, but he was the punt returner and, and he did a good job. Marcus right. Clark listed as a co-starter. To me, this is the most interesting thing on the yeah. chart. Marcus Clark co-starter at corner with Takori Couch, who has been brutal when it comes to tackling, and DJ Ivy, who is below average at tackling um, and inconsistent in coverage. So... Do you think they can find a solution in Marcus Clark? Um, again, I mean, I'm here to find of, out. Yeah, I, I'm willing to find out. That's the thing. Like, I'm just at a, I feel like we're at a point where it's just like, why not? Like, you yeah. know, I mean, what, what have we, like, I feel like we've seen enough of DJ Ivy to sort of know who he is. Um, you know, to Corey Couch, you know, he's again, just not a sure tackle. tackle. Yeah, he can't tackle. Um, I don't think he's bad in coverage. You know, I think right, he does a good job in, yeah. co- in coverage, but I mean, you got to be able to tackle. So yeah, man, I'm I'm here for it. I mean, let's just see what see what he has. You know, former wide receiver, a guy that's athletic. Again, man, I thought he made a really good play on the ball um, in that Virginia game, where you know it was he just did. sort of that freaky touchdown, and you know that play doesn't happen the way it happens, and who knows if Miami's able to win that game um, or whatever that situation just sort of turns turns into. It takes seven points off the board. Um, so I mean, I feel like he's shown some flashes that he can be serviceable. I mean, yeah, I'm all for it. Let's see what he's got. You have the unenviable task every week, Gabby, to transcribe what yes. Manny Diaz says during <laughs> his Monday press conferences. Yeah, He had a lot to say today. Um, I'm curious what stood out to you that he said. Is there anything in particular uh, that you were like, huh, okay, that's interesting. I mean. It's tough. We're in a tough spot with Manny Diaz right now because it's like, what can he say at this point? Like, yeah. we kind of all know what it is yet we still have to ask him questions. Yeah. And my, my thing is just like, it's just sort of like the, oh, here I'm trying to pull up the, 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 the quote here. Uh, we've obviously been in two really, really close games left that have us 0-2 in the AC, but this is the life in our league. These games are normally close. So they normally come down to fine margins. And it's on us as coaches to better ourselves, to win those finer margins, to get us a victory on Saturday. And it's like, I get it. Like, yeah, you want to like pound your chest and say that it's a competitive league, but you know, there's not every game, like he just makes it seem like well, every game close. It's like, Oh, that's how it always is. And it's like, I don't like that. That's sort of like been his default of like, Oh, these, that's how these games go. And it's, well, just like, I would agree. Like, honestly, I think when you look at it, a lot of conference games, not just ACC, but power five, a lot of power five conference games come down to the fourth quarter. Like this yeah. is just, this is football. Like this isn't, you know, I think maybe 20, 30 years ago, we saw more blowouts, generally speaking. Um, but nowadays, you got to win these tight games. And that's yeah. where coaching is so important because that's where the margins are uh, in it college. Just feels like, football. It just feels like it's, he's just said the same thing like multiple right. times this year. And I'm just kind of like, oh, okay. Right. I, I think did, it's I, an indictment on him. Like, yeah. Yes, you have to find a way to win these close games because. Yeah you're constantly in these close games. We talked about in the instant reaction podcast, how I think six of their losses 
in 2019 were one score losses. Um, now we're back in that same mm-hmm. cycle, right? Now that Derek King's out, uh, with Derek King, they were winning these one score games without him. They're losing them. So mm-hmm. got to find a way to win, Manny. I know it's, it's tough, uh, but this is a, this is a win loss business, unfortunately, yeah. uh, for coaches, if you're losing, uh, anything else stand out to you? Yeah. I mean, just like the one, like he was just like, Oh, like what's just, we're talking about the veterans that are not making plays. And he's just like, you know, where is it? Two things. Like they just like basically just saying that, you know, one thing he can control about the veterans that aren't performing is playing time. So basically just, again, just making like this blanket statement where uh, the, it's going to be all about the younger guys. The younger guys are going to get all these opportunities. That's when he mentioned Chase Smith and Marcus Clark and Isaiah Dunson and all these guys, basically like we need to see what they have at this point, because, you know, when it's, when there's guys that have, what he says have shown it before that have shown that they can do it, it before and suddenly are just abandoning their training and abandoning their fundamentals that, uh, you know, the one thing that they can control with this is playing time. And that basically he's at a point now where he feels like it's time to start just pulling the plug on some of these guys and just seeing what the younger guys can right. do. So, but it's too late, right? It's I mean, too, it just feels like it's too late. Exactly. He didn't I mean, see you're it six coming. games into the season. Yeah. It's like you had to have seen some of this at some point during training camp. You know, you have all the, you have these scrimmages, you have all these practices. I mean, all this stuff. Like, at, at, at no point was there, like, this light bulb where, like, hey, look, some of these guys, like, maybe just don't have it. Or, hey, look, look at all these guys coming back. Like, maybe there's a reason they're coming back to college and not going off to the NFL. Like, you know, I have all these, like, fifth-year seniors, six-year seniors, and it's just, like, it's not always it's not always of a benefit if they're not, like, you know, these game-changing talents that, you know, aren't headed to the NFL. Or the tough thing is they're getting worse for whatever yeah, exactly. reason. I can't explain it. Like if they were playing even at last year's level, I think he could at least say like, yeah, it is what it is. This is as good as these guys can be, but they are getting worse. So what's the explanation with that? One thing that bothers me, and maybe this is nitpicking, maybe this is um, unfair. I feel like there's this whole mentality of like, oh, well, there's nothing we can do about it, right? Whether it's injuries or older guys not playing, it's kind of just like throw your hands up in the air and, you know, we're trying over here, but, you know, players aren't executing and and there's just, there seems to be no real solutions. It's just, this is what we do. And if guys can't execute it, we're going to lose. Right. Or if we don't have De'Ara King, we're going to lose. Um. Let's get into some NC State talk. So it was interesting, Gabby. That line opened with Miami as a two-point favorite, right? Yeah, was, I, at least on one, at least one side. One line. I mean, I'm not sure yeah. if it was like the blanket. Uh, you know, that was just what it came out with everywhere. Um, I saw others tweet that I think it's like Andy Slater's tweet that like Miami came out as like three and a half point underdogs which is what I saw it at today right now. Um, but are, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, I, when I saw that yesterday afternoon, someone opened it at Miami minus two, which was just mind boggling to me. <laughs> so NC state enters this game, I think as the favorite to win that Atlantic division, right. Um, beating Clemson. Uh, they cruised to a, a nice win over Boston college yeah. who was having a nice year by their standards. Um, NC State, 
how much of them have you watched? Did you watch? Cause they played immediately after Miami on Saturday on yeah. that ACC network. Did you watch any of that game? Did you catch I, I, it? I honestly haven't been, I haven't okay. watched NC state quite yet. One thing that stands out about them is they are extremely physical on both sides of the ball. Um, here's a mind blowing stat uh, defensively. Well, defensively, they have the, I believe, 11th best run defense in the country, 92 yards per game allowed. Um, they also have the number one third down defense in the country. I believe opponents are only converting like 25% of their opportunities on third down against the Wolfpack. Um, but physicality, right? So missed tackles, NC State this year on the season has missed 35. So Miami missed 30 against Michigan State. Uh, on the year, Miami has missed 110 tackles. Um, wow. So that's NC like, St- <laughs> holy moly, that's a massive like difference. Right. So they're physical on defense. They tackle. Um, they run a 3-3-5 scheme on defense, which, you know, allows them to throw heavy blitzes on one play and then on the very next play, they can put everyone back in coverage, confuse the quarterback. So that's something to watch with Tyler Van Dyke. Um, on offense, they are also extremely physical, right? They have probably the best run blocking offensive lineman in the country in Iki Ekwanu. He plays left tackle, um, probably going to be a first round pick in next year's NFL draft. So he's a guy where NC State runs to the left side of the line and he's leading the way there. Um, They have two good running backs, uh, Bam Knight and Ricky Person. I think Bam Knight's an NFL guy. Ricky Person probably has a chance to be too, but both guys with good size, good speed. Um, Their quarterback, Devin Leary, efficient. You know, I don't think he's necessarily anything special, but he protects the ball makes good decisions. He throws to big power forward type receivers. Um, Emeka Amezi and Devin Carter, both guys like 6'3", 220 type wide receivers that aren't burners, but they will make contested catches all day. Um, so <laughs> I don't think it's a good match. It's like the opposite. It's They are like the opposite team of Miami. They are extremely physical. They want to get you in a phone booth and beat you up um, with a run game and defense, whereas Miami will look to spread them out and beat them with their speed, which is what they did last year when they had that dramatic 44-41 win over NC State. Um, I guess just, I don't know. What are you What are you expecting this week? It's a It's a game at Hard Rock Stadium. Yeah. G- generally speaking, in the Manny Diaz era, they're better at Hard Rock. Um, but yeah. I don't think it's a good matchup. Yeah, no, it doesn't sound like a good matchup. Again, just like almost like the the, the anti Miami. Um, just, I mean, I, I'm I'm gonna be really interested to see how they sort of come out again. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like you can be encouraged about some of the things you saw in the second half. And, you know, again, if they're that second half team for four quarters, you know, I think that they have a chance to beat a lot of the teams left on the schedule. But just haven't seen enough for them to pick uh, to pick them against this NC State team. I thought Boston College was a really good team. I had to watch them a few times this year. You know, I thought yeah. that 
I thought that they were going to give them a, a, I thought they were going to put up a really good fight and, you know, to watch NC State, at least watch the scoreboard and see NC State come out of that with like a, you know, like a, like a 21 point victory um, was definitely impressive. And just, I, I think that really hit me about like, wow, this NC State team really is for real. And obviously I know that they, they beat Clemson at home and they were the first ones to do it. So, um, you know, I think that's a, I think that's a big deal. And I think that what they're able to do is, uh, is, is impressive. And again, they, I'm sure that they do it really well. I remember watching them last year and, and uh, you know what they're able to sort of do there. And even in that style where they sort of want to put you in a phone booth, I feel like they could still sort of adjust and sort of play that run and gun side. I mean, they did, they put up 41 points, you know, like they can, right. they can do that too, probably, especially with that run game, they have the home run hitters and, you know, so it's going to be interesting to see how Miami sort of matches up with those guys. I'm very curious how Miami's defense performs because I, I do think there's a chance Miami can still score points against them because they're just, they're going to be much faster. Um, Jalen Knighton, Charleston Rambo, uh, Mike Harley, Will Mallory, Keyshawn Smith. I don't know if, if NC State defensively can match up athlete for athlete if Miami starts clicking on offense in that regard. Um, but Miami's defense, I mean, NC State is going to force Miami to tackle. Mm-hmm. That has not gone well this year. No. So uh, it's a very interesting matchup. So let's wrap up there. We will do another podcast here leading up to this NC State game where we go more in depth, uh, you know, after studying NC State more throughout this week. And uh, again, appreciate all you guys listening. It's a tough time to be a Miami Hurricanes football fan right now. We totally get it. Imagine covering them every day. Uh, (laughs) Imagine covering recruiting every day. (laughs) (laughs) But still, we appreciate all you guys listening. Until next time, take care.